Dotnet Rocks, episode 1034, with guest Robert Bogue. Recorded Monday, September 8th, 2014. And there you go. Hi. We're here again. Hey. Here we are. What's up, buddy? Uh, you know, plunking my way along. It's another Thursday. I got nothing to complain about. I am drinking some Yergashev coffee, thanks to Hugh. Ah, uh, yes, the coffee geek Hugh Griffin. Uh, in a Monday's coffee mug. <laughs> oh, very rare. All I'm going to say about that. That's all you're going to say about it. So is it as good as they say? It's very good. Okay. It's very, very good. It has a different flavor than almost any other coffee that you can drink. And I don't drink coffee. Yeah. But I have green tea. It's That's almost good. the same. No, it's not at all the same. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wasted enough of your time. Let's roll the music. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, this is the segment called Better Know a Framework. That yes. Am I going to know a framework? Yeah, probably not today. Uh, okay. Actually, yeah, you will, but not the .NET framework. So it's an add-on. I just wanted to mention, we never really talked about this, but Connect for Windows V2 is shipping. Okay. Yeah, and maybe we talked about it before, but if we haven't... Um, well, you've been building stuff with it. I've been building a lot of stuff with it. If you go to connectforwindows.com, that will bring you to the right page. And they're taking orders for it. Uh, you can buy it. And it's one ninety nine, mm-hmm. which is great because the last one was two ninety nine. It wasn't as good. So this is a better sensor, better sensor for less money. It uses the Xbox One Connect sensor. So essentially it's the same sensor. Oh, okay. It has a wider horizontal and vertical field of view for depth and color. It does full HD color. So it's a 1080p color camera but you also have an infrared stream and a day so you didn't have this before we have an infrared stream at 30 frames a second you have a depth fidelity stream which is really fast actually you have an improved microphone which means that i think there's actually it's in a microphone array and there's a sample in there that can actually match the 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 microphone audio signal to the the body that set it yeah. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. So, And the skeletal tracking stuff now is built into the device, right? You're not doing it on the PC anymore? Well, it was always built into the device, but your your point is well taken. Before, we were using the CPU to do that. Right. Now, we're using the GPU. Okay. So, so yeah. smarter. Yeah, it's a little smarter. You got a nice big, whack, you know, big whacked out uh, graphics card. It'll take care of it, no problem. Um, the, it's a 25-point skeleton now. So, in a total of six people can be tracked at once, where as the old Connect could see six people, but can only track two. Uh, now we get thumb tracking and end of hand tracking and open and closed hand positions. So, we can tell whether your hand is open or closed. We've got the face recognition API. We've got uh, a really incredible range, uh, point, uh, half a meter near and four and a half meters far. And, of course, uh, multi- I'm reading right from the feature list here. Multiple apps can utilize the sensor simultaneously. It's not locked down to one app. So it's sort of a pub-sub deal. And not only that, but you get an index. So you you know you can ignore such and such a person. If you engage with one person, you can ignore everybody else. That kind of thing. Yeah. 
So you you can write code to handle the problem where you're interacting with it, and then somebody walks through the frame, and you know, and then it picks tracks them too. Well, you can just ignore them if you want. But anyway, I thought I'd tell you that Connect for Windows. And if you want to learn more about it or know about it, just you know, send me an email because I've got a lot of experience with it. You're doing the thing with the thing. Carla Franklin's not. All right, Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show uh, 1015, and that's the one we did with Rocky Latka. We're talking about modern app development and just sort of the balancing act between native and and hybrid, mm-hmm. cross-platform development, all these different choices. And uh, and Rohit Harsh wrote this great comment. He said, it's, it's a confusing time in our industry. Mm. At one end, we have people pushing JavaScript all the way to the server. On the other hand, we have people who don't want to touch JavaScript at all. <laughs> Right now, I'm in an environment that falls on the latter side. I recently joined a new company where they have such an aversion to JavaScript that they've decided to make their own web form controls, a a data grid, modal pop, and so on. It seems they tried to implement the application as a single-page application and got burnt by JavaScript. So they ran all the way in the other direction. Hmm. Wow. There's some scars for you. That is... Yeah, okay. (laughs) No, I'm... What happened to the middle ground? Can we not have .NET services and business logic and at the same time have controls like Kendo UI, jQuery Grid, and so on? There's nothing that says that we need to implement all the business logic on the client side if we end up doing all these HTML plus JavaScript controls. Well, I think, yeah, the point is well taken that, you know, being burned by JavaScript doesn't feel good at all. And I know know exactly what he means is that, you know, you get something that works great, and then all of a sudden you find out that browser X and this and that can't run that and this, and so now you're you're racing to the bottom of a of a you know the lowest common denominator list, and uh, it sucks. So you know, re- unless you're willing to say we only support modern browsers and everybody else can, you know, you know what, eat it, then then yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to lay this all the feet of JavaScript. We've all been burned sure. by technologies whose hype was greater than the deliverable or whose skill set requirement to be successful with was so much higher than you thought. That's right. Because we always keep saying stuff is easy when it's not. Mm. Mm. So, well, you know, well I think Rohit's living through this experience right now of being way off in the in a in a, a strange land of, you know, everything's wrong. And so now they're going to make a more painful mess mm. writing plumbing to avoid a language hmm. it seems very interesting to me but it, you know it comes back to folks expectations and it's one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it on this show too and we're talking about so much about requirements is like what was the goal you were trying to get to? yeah i mean i almost want to have a conversation with this guy now and say why are you even in the browser yeah right but how did we get here? And, it, and it, you get people who are, I think, working from the wrong goal set in the first place. They want the one right way. Yeah. I think it's just as scary to stuff, put JavaScript everywhere, too. It's like, why is that a good idea? Right. What advantage does it actually get you? And I mm-hmm. just think we're getting further, further removed from the real deliverables the customers need. Yeah. Okay. So, Rohit, thanks so much for your comment. It sort of sparked some thought on this side, and I'm sure we'll be revisiting it throughout the hour. .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Windows 8. And that brings me to Robert Bogue. Robert is a nine-year veteran of the Microsoft MVP program and is currently awarded for SharePoint. He writes, speaks, and creates products from many different directions, developer, IT pro, business leader, end user, etc. He's also the author of the acclaimed The SharePoint Shepherd's Guide for End Users. 
and a series of DVDs. Rob's a professionally trained comedian. Oh, no. Watch out, Richard. Yep. <laughs> I knew. Uh, I've had him on run-ass before. Yeah, well, you know, I got I to gotta up my game for the mid-show uh, joke now. <laughs> He's also a private pilot, a dog lover, husband, and father. He lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome, Robert Bogue. Well, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We'll, we'll do the we'll do the comedy later. Yeah, I'm not going to do the quintessential. You know, tell me a joke, make me laugh. Oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. That's nice. I hear that all the yeah. time from my comedian friends. They well, hate that. yeah. As a software developer, anybody ever come at you? Oh, you're a programmer. Write me a program. Yeah. Or, <laughs> oh, oh, you got an album out? Oh, sing me. Uh, can you sing? Uh, you know, whatever it is. You Moon do River, get that La sometimes, Bamba. though. Oh, constantly. Can you sing La Bamba for me right now? Right now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no press, monkey boy. Dance. Yeah, go. Dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Robert, uh, you've been on Richard's show, uh, Run As Radio. and yeah. uh, But this is the first time we've talked. But we're talking requirements. Yeah, we are. What did you think about the, the comment that Richard read? I thought, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I, I just think, think, I think it's interesting that people run around trying to find hammers. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to bet uh, finding a better right. hammer. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's all the same stuff, you know. We've we've been doing the same stuff. We've been, you know, well, except for you, Carl, cuz you get to do fun stuff with Connect, but I mean for the rest rest of us, we've been writing the same stuff for quite a while now. Yeah, and, well, make no mistake, I've also written plenty of that same stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I and I get the pain, you know, and and especially Halfway through the project, somebody asked the question, do we need to be in the browser? You know? And then everybody goes, huh? Uh, I don't know. Huh? <laughs> Customers said we want to go to a website. <laughs> I got to back off because you're going to start getting some of my voices to come out, and that would be bad news. All talking in voices. That would be, uh, that'd be fine. You know, our, our listeners expect that. <laughs> The problem is, I do not know which one I want to use. Oh, no. You do that one. Or, <laughs> hi, now, what you be talking about this developer stuff? I hear I hear you got to get the semicolons in the right place and everything. Semicolons. Anyway. Yeah, semicolons. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, we, we get, I, I do think we get kind of focused on the wrong thing at times. And we just, you know, whether it's the technology or it's, it's like, oh, this will be fun and shiny. Um, we forget that. We're doing this stuff to generate value. I even found that when you're in that requirements gathering stage that sometimes you, you know, the answer is screaming in your ear and you're waiting to, to you know, to suggest it only yeah. to find out that if you listen a little bit further, you know, five more minutes to what the person's saying, oh, they tried that, didn't work. Yeah. You know, like you really have to listen and listen and listen. And when you think you have the answer, you need to say the words, this is what I think. Yep. You know, instead of, yeah, well, that's obvious to any idiot that the answer is foo, you yeah. stupid man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I, I do, I think I heard. So I think I heard you say that you want a pink fluffy bunny bouncing right across the screen because that'll be what's important to your users. That's um, a good thing to say. I think I heard. Yeah. I, I think I could be a therapist too. I think it's the same word, hmm. right? Like it's the same framing. Like. Yeah, I think you. I heard you don't want to beat your dog anymore. Whatever it is. <laughs> I think I heard. 
So, um, you know, and the, the hammer and nail analogy has come up bazillions of times on this. But, um, you know, tools do matter. At the end of the day, we, we, use, we, we have help to gather requirements. And um, talking and listening are probably the best tools that we have. But once you start getting beyond, okay, we all agree this is where we need to go, how do you keep that conversation going in such a way that potential misunderstandings can be vetted out before you actually start writing code? Wait, we we want to do requirements before we write code? <laughs> now you're just talking crazy talk. Wait, that's just crazy talk. We're talking to developers here. We write code, then we get requirements. As I find it, it you know, even every single time I get on the on the phone, you know, we could all be have a, have agreed on what we said and what we agreed. And I will think something completely different when the what they thought. And it just comes down to the semantics of what the definition of a particular word is to them versus me. Yep. You know? I have this problem with my wife all the time. <laughs> she she says, "Go in the house before we go to on a trip. Go in the house and grab my charger." So I go and I grab the little thing that goes into the plug on the wall that exposes the USB socket, right? Uh huh. And that's not a charger to her. That's I don't know what that is. That's just something you plug into the wall. The charger is the it's cable. Yeah. She calls that a charger, and then I say, "Oh, yeah. you mean the cable." No, the charger. So, right. <laughs> so you know, it's really important just to define your nouns before you even start talking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we are burdened by this language we call English, or you know, even if you don't speak English, all these languages are so imprecise. Everybody defines things differently. Hmm. I mean, uh, sometimes you know, is it is it biweekly or semiweekly? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> right, like which one's two and which one's every other, and I, I don't remember. Um, and I look it up, um, but that's one of the things that you really have to get down to in the language, and that's why the I think I heard is really good because you can reflect it back differently. Right. So, you know, um, I think I heard, you know, you don't want to beat your dog anymore, but I think I heard that you like canines now, right? Mm. Um, and obviously, I'm using kind of ridiculous example, but. That's the kind of thing that's really, really hard. And I think I've found that no matter how hard you work at that, no matter how hard you try and get the language exactly right, you're always going to have that moment where they're like, what? You you mean you meant the other definition for that word? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and it just happens. Um, and so you got to do clean up on the back end. I've always described it as I have to build a glossary. And I, and I find, because they're always the external person, like it's, I don't know nothing. I'm the dumb guy here. So Yo. please explain it to me like I'm a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem, of course, is that you want to have a conversation that flows where you get to the ideas and you get understanding. And, you know, you can't go so slow as to be so technical for everything and every conversation. Otherwise, you'll never get out of the glossary, you know. So so it's a balance and you, your ears have to be tuned to and, you know, the possibility that they might be saying apples and you might be hearing oranges all the time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that helps us is if you work from big to little, right? Big picture, what are we trying to do? Little picture, how do we think we're going to do it? How exactly do we think we're going to do it? Mm. What screens are we going to implement? Um, and I think that helps those uh, misunderstandings to be at least smaller in impact. You know, because I, I firmly believe we're not going to get rid of them all. But I think that at the end of the day, if we can just minimize their impact, mm. that's that's doing good. Um, 
And sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's visuals, right? We can do this all in text, right? And everybody's seen the massive hundreds of pages kind of requirements specification that um, you think is for a bolt from the government or something, but mm. it's, it's pictures, right? It's, you know, people want to see, if, no matter what you're working on, somebody wants to see a napkin sketch of what the user interface is going to look like. Mm-hmm. How are people going to move through it? Um, what, what are the, you know, what's the stories that people need to be able to do? Oh, well, I need to be able to approve an invoice. Well, what do you have when you start that? And what do you need to have when you're done? Um, so I think that's, you, you know, we can get stuck in the, and there are some techniques for dealing with language. I've got um, some stuff in the, we kind of alluded to the requirements course that is up on Pluralsight now. Um, and I've got some things about that. But ultimately, I don't think you can solve those. I, I, don't, I don't think that you're going to completely get away from them. Have you used Sketchflow as a tool? Um, I haven't. Um, I tend to do a lot by hand on a whiteboard. Okay. Um, I think that's my, I, I think that's the other side of my personality, the IT uh, guy that I, I have to draw stuff on whiteboards. But And if you don't have a face-to-face uh, relationship with your customer, what do you use? Um, I use OneNote and my tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I get a virtual whiteboard. So in your tablet, you have a pen then that yeah. you can, yeah, yeah, okay. Very cool. And, uh, and I love it. Um, just, it, it's just so, it's so much easier to draw stuff. Mm-hmm. Even in like, I've gotten pretty proficient at tools like Balsamic and Dio at all. Um, but it just, there's, there's nothing like picking up a pen and drawing red crayon. Yeah. There's a reason cocktail napkins have been such an effective design tool for so long. <laughs> yeah. They're not just for salt. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I mean, I'm, we've all gone through this process a bunch of times, right? Everybody believes they need some software. They call us and you start working through. So what is it you people do and, and start drawing pictures? Yep. Uh, and building up a glossary. Yep. How long does it take you to run into, you know, when do you take on the misperceptions of what they think software is going to do for them? Oh, you mean when do you deal with and then the magic happens? Mm. Yes. That's my that's my favorite point. Um, well, I, it depends on the the person that I'm talking with how quickly it comes up. But what what I always do with it is, and how's the computer going to make that decision, or how is it going to know where to route that to? Or right. um, one of my favorite ones is when we're working on edge cases, a little bit of refinement. Um, every every everything has got some sort of an approval process, and it almost always is. And you send it to their manager. And they approve it or not. And nobody thinks about the edge the CEO. Because the CEO probably doesn't have a manager in Active Directory. Right. So where do you send that to when they have no manager? Um, but but back to your real, your core question, which is, you know, what do you do with the and then the magic happens? Um, it's it's very much a well, if you were gonna make that decision. If you were a super fast person that was like flash lightning, you know, what would you do? Um, and sometimes they, sometimes they give me answers, which are pretty creative and unique. And other times they go, well, I don't know. I'd throw a dart against a dartboard. I'm like, okay, I've got a random number generator. I can do that. <laughs> so, and make stuff up here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, it's supposed to be really interesting text that goes here. Okay, well, the computer can't make up really interesting text. It can make up really weird text. You know, insert noun, random noun and verb. It'll be like the the old ad libs things. Right, right. <laughs> they had. Well, they've got software writing articles now, I don't, but I don't think that's the path they actually want to go down. Yeah. Do you find as you're working your way through this process, and you're basically making them outline to you their workflows, you, you trip over white elephants? Yeah. Yeah. There, there are times where you're like, and you do that because why? Or the significance of that is why? Or what, what, are we doing this the right way? Or yeah. And, and, and those are, those are when, uh, having been a consultant for a while comes in handy because I don't go, really? You're kidding. <laughs> I can, I can, no, At least not yeah. out loud. Right. That's on the inside. That's my inside voice. Hey, this is a good time to tell everybody about coder camps. Coder camps are changing the way people learn .NET and JavaScript. If you've been learning .NET on your own, these guys can get you the skills you need to get hired in just nine weeks. After about a year, the results are amazing. Everyone who's graduated has been hired within 90 days, and now they've made it even better by letting students attend camp online. Check them out at CoderCamps.com. So, so now the magic happens. Of course, I, I find that moment to be almost every day for the first you know couple of months that there's some misunderstanding, and it just comes down to it could be regional understandings of what things are, it could be, you know, somebody on the team wanting to be cute with a term that, you know, you've never seen that term applied to before. Um, here's here's one that got me for and it only took a minute to resolve. So I'm not saying it was a big issue, but somebody was talking about the connect and the, the, the width of the skeleton and referred to it as the font size. Well, but... You know, and it, and I get it, but there are also things with text on the screen that do have a font size. And so I, right. you know, huh? You could see the question mark over my head. And it took a couple oh, of minutes right. to say, okay, what exactly do you mean by font size? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it just fortunately I was paying attention. But, you know, if, if, you know, the font size needs to be twice as big that was the requirement and i and i said oh well okay and i almost took the text that was on the screen and doubled it in size but it didn't make any sense to me so yeah well and i think you know that actually is a huge point and it's one of the things that is so valuable about re- developers doing their own requirements is you can actually do that sense making process of the requirements as you get them right? right um and a lot of times we'll insert business analysts into this process to help us get requirements and and absolutely when you can leverage them, get help. Um, but that sense making that you can do, and you can look at that and you go, well, okay, so yeah, but the text being twice as big doesn't do me any good. Um, that process that you're doing is, is one of the things I think developers have a huge advantage over mm-hmm. someone else doing requirements. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's an amazing thing. And how often do you work with a business analyst or are you the business analyst? Um, well, my world's a little different because um, I run a company, and and so you know sometimes I'm the developer, sometimes I'm the architect, sometimes I'm the business analyst. Um, you know, I have a business analyst on staff, so if they're not busy, um, I'll plug her into it. Um, but I would say that probably fifty percent of the time, I don't bother to engage her. I only bother to engage her when the transition cost of us communicating makes sense. 
you know, there's a certain size project where I, and you know, I don't know whether that's requirements gathering is a couple of weeks versus a couple of days. Um, but there's a certain size project where plugging her in makes sense. And there's smaller stuff that it's like, no, that just adds, you know, one more layer in the telephone game. Hmm. Yeah. The amount of time to communicate the information is greater than the net return of the information you'd get as a result. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, I do plug her in sometimes and I, and I go, you know, and I roll without her sometimes and, um, you know, and I've got some devs here too, and sometimes I'll plug them in together and sometimes I go with them. It really just, it, it it's all about how quickly can we reach the understanding? Yeah. Right. Like if, requirements are really for me about understanding what the problem is. What are we trying to solve? And if I can do that by plugging in a BA, great. If I can do that quicker without having the BA involved, great. I'll do that. Um, and it's really just trying to optimize to, to the situation. Um, you know, I know that a lot of devs have to do their own requirements, right? Because like, mm-hmm. that BA role doesn't exist in their environment or they're super busy or, right. you know, or you just have detailed requirements, right? You get down and, and the requirement says, you know, make it blink on the screen. And somebody's got to ask, blink how frequently? Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, because that, that, that verb means something in their mind that is not specific. Yeah, and that's, that's that's one of the things about requirements that's really hard is how do you make them how do you make them smart, specific, measurable, um, actionable, uh, realistic, and timely, right? Like I could, I somebody can write down a requirement that you know I need to be able to launch this toothpick to the moon, but I don't think that's terribly realistic, right? A lot of times we get the timely thing is is bad. So like, um, how many times have you seen requirements come in? From either either from your clients or from other devs you're working with, and it's um, this website needs to be fast, right? Yeah, that, well, that's a can of worms. Well, how fast? When? And under what conditions? What needs to be fast? The client right. side, the server side, the whole experience, right? Yeah, right. Why why do we use JavaScript to update the user interface? Because the perception is, is that it behaves quicker. Well, why is the perception that? Well, because on the client side, it looks that way. Um, you know why? This this whole idea that people give requirements and they don't have constraints around them or boundaries um, is is weird. So that you know the other favorite one is well it needs to look pretty. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to be fast and it needs to look pretty. You know, if you just use pretty.js. <laughs> yeah, really? That's that, okay. Is there a method somewhere on an object that I can call? Yeah, it's called make, make pretty. Make pretty. Make awesome. pretty. You don't even have to pass the parameters. It's great. Awesome. It's so it's so high level. Just reads your mind. You know, or or the the interface needs to, to the interface needs to look fresh. What does that mean? Am I hiring Will Smith? What what what, <laughs> what am I doing? Lovely vague concepts, and and the only most sometimes folks actually get to the point where they say, "I'll know it when I see it." So keep yeah. building, you know, keep working. And I'll tell you when I like it. But what are you, Chief Chief Justice Rehnquist? This isn't pornography we're building. You know, this is an <laughs> oh, <no>. application. <laughs> there was a great card that I I read I I read this on a show that somebody um, translated the user's terms to into you know action things that you can actually do. And I can't remember, but it was like you know needs more pizzazz. 
in that case, you know, there was a specific font they recommended, you know, (laughs) in a a red background, you know, or it needs to snap, you know, like all these words. But I got to tell you guys that it's even worse in the recording, the audio recording business, because artists will come into the studio and they'll literally say like, it sounds too orange to me. I'm serious. (laughs) Like you get these things like it's just, you know, it seems so dis placed in time and space and the and what it needs to be is more round you know <laughs> things like this and people have synesthesia yeah it's the well i think i think that either they have synesthesia or they want to think they have synesthesia one or the other which is you know the the sort of the crossing of wires in the brain between the different senses but it, it gets worse it's even worse in the in the recording industry well, and jumping all the way to back to what you said, Carl, about using uh, Sketchflow, sometimes people feel like they must make a comment, whether they actually have a useful comment or not. And Very so true. having an opportunity to argue over color or font over minor things, meaningless things, right. at least lets them feel like they contributed to the process. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing is like, uh, yeah. Uh, oh man, I got stories that I can't even tell. oh man just let's just say yep been there been there sometimes you wish you had never opened it up for discussion let's just say that yeah well and that's one of the reasons why i try to encourage people to start with wireframes versus like people sometimes do these full design comps right and then people go you forgot the comma between this word and that word i'm like uh, picture you know not text not final yeah trying to get a feel for it well, I've stuck draft all over UIs for that reason, too, so that they know. Just try to remind them. Yeah, draft. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Know what time it is? Must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to remove the maroon squirreliness from this placid conversation and make it more oblong with a little comedic, non-sequituristic snappiness. Okay, that was weird. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. And uh, it's... I'll be here all week. Yeah, I'll be here all week trying to feel. Yeah, and the comedian goes, wow, that was really funny. That was something. I'm I'm not going to go with funny exactly, but it was something. That was, wow. (laughs) Actually, it's time to give away a DevExpress D-Experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today... Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial today at devexpress.com superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is David Wallace. Congratulations, David. Golf clap for you, sir. Just won the D-Experience subscription from DevExpress. That's a whole lot of goodness in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we give away great sponsor goodies. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club, but you got to join to win. 
So we also like to ask our guests, Robert, if you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would you buy? Oh, see, now this, you're asking somebody that has a video studio in his house. Mm, and, yes. And uh, so um, certainly there's always room for more sound reinforcing. There's some nice, um, there's some really nice high def cameras that I would like and uh, always room for lighting and uh, audio gear I'm pretty good on. Um, and then of Are course, you using LED the lighting? I am not. I'm on, um, I'm still on fluorescent. I haven't, yeah. I haven't switched yet. Well, and you talk about, you know, funny language around things. I was talking to some guys who were use, starting, to use, starting to use LED lights and complaining that it was too pointy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, did you just describe light as pointy? And, you know, you just made my joke funny, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> little little context is all it takes. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, pointy. Okay. Have, have you seen harsh. the, you say you, you've got video cameras. Have you seen the video switchers that Roland has come out with? Go to tinyurl.com slash vid switch, V-I-D switch. This is a VR 50 HD multi-format AV mixer. What you have is four HDMI inputs, 12 audio inputs, plus stills, and you can do switching and previewing. You have uh, uh, an output monitor that you can send stuff to and you can also so you can see all four at the same time you can uh just pick which shot you want and then boom there it is super cool yeah unfortunately i'm generally the only one in here so even though i have multiple cameras i i post at it um but but yeah so that's a five thousand so like five thousand dollars doesn't buy a lot of video gear no it doesn't Um, and this particular um, thing i'm talking about is seventy five hundred (laughs) bucks right so you're you just blew my budget, Carl. Well, you know, but, but there are cheaper ones out there. And this whole line of HDMI switchers is really, really cool. They're getting good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 well, so I do some production for the churches, too. And, and we've got different switchers, and I've watched them evolve over time. Um, and the new stuff, it syncs up fast and switches quite cleanly, and it's, it's really good stuff. But that's what I'd spend it on. I mean, computers, obviously, I'm going to carry around my laptop and there's, you know, cool gaming machines. But I, I think it's going to get eaten up by video. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, there's just so much stuff to do. Uh, have you seen any of the Blackmagic stuff? Like the Blackmagic Video Capture Extreme for yeah. getting? Yeah. Yeah, I have. So, like, but most of my stuff now, when I record, I record to digital. Right. Like I don't have to capture it. I stream it across the network or, you know, I, I pull the files down so I don't have to capture video anymore. It's one of those things that we don't do anymore. Well, I, I use this for streaming, right? So ah, if you're going to yeah, okay, so do you like use a it, live stream. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the interesting part about this. It's just but what are you doing live versus actually trying to record things? I do like that HDMI really has simplified managing video oh so God, much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like one cable that carries everything at whatever resolution, like, and you can get hundred foot cables, you know. It's yeah, not, you really can, and it just works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so we were talking. To, I think we were talking a little bit, Richard. You brought you brought it back to Sketchflow and some of those tools that we were using. But uh, Robert, why don't you just pick it up from there? You know, let's let's talk about maybe some of the experiences that you've had. Or that we could learn from, you know, some don't do this moments. Yeah. So 
what I want to do is is do the interview process, right? Because the tool stuff and and you know Sketchflow and and Balsamic and there's it's a whole bunch of tools that you can use to diagram and document. Um, but I think what's more fun for me is talking about how do you get people through the discussions. Mm. We talked about that a little bit, but you know how do you deal with people who are defensive, right? So in in the room, like if you're doing an app today, you're replacing something. Right. And in most cases, there's something that you're replacing, whether it's a manual process or an app that was written before. How do you deal with the people who are who own the process today? And you're going to change it, right? Stone like throwers. You build yeah, stone throwers. How are you going to deal with them, right? How do you make them your friend? How do you listen to them? How do you not get upset when they say, "Well, you're, you know, JavaScript is going to crash and break, and my my browser will fail," and um, mm. it, it, they're going to do that. And you just have to be like, okay, well, you're not talking about me, right? Like, you can attack the technology, mm-hmm. but but it's not me. Right. Well, unfortunately, though, we talked about this on the show before, Richard. Many of us feel so close to our technology that we become that technology. And we invest so much in it. We invest emotionally in it. And so we identify with it, right? And yep. so then when that, if that technology proves to be, you know, either unworthy or second rate or something else comes along, then you personally feel like, oh, you know, that, that you take it as you are the technology. You're not the technology. <laughs> it's not your baby. doesn't matter if he calls it ugly. You can always right. learn something else. Yeah. Well, and I think all of us have learned at least two languages, right? I mean, how many of us just know C Sharp or VB or, or F Sharp or whatever it is this week, right? Like I, I got trained when I was going to college. I was Fortran and COBOL and Pascal, you know, I can learn another language after C sharp. Sure. It'll and it'll probably be C exclamation point or something crazy. We've mentioned on the show before too, that, you know, a lot that learning other languages really helps you think better and it helps you yeah. see the, the right patterns and the, even in languages that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really strange how, I'll take a set-based solution to a problem that they're that the developers are trying to solve procedurally, and mm. they'll be like, "Wow!" I'm like, it's just different view. It's you know, mm-hmm. go learn SQL; it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, well, and same with functional versus uh, object-oriented development too, right? Like, just these are different ways of attacking the same problem, and the more ways you get at it, a the better you understand the problem. And then you can actually see that their value in different languages is that for some problems, they solve them more cleanly. Yeah, absolutely. Depends on the problem. Set-based stuff is amazing. When you get it right, you're just kind of in awe of how terse something can be or how complete it is. Yeah. Yeah, elegant. So are you an agilist? Are you you buying the whole user story thing and and doing this sort of dynamically? Where where do you land on that, that spectrum? Yeah, that's actually a great question because we, I, I think I still do some level of upfront requirements, right? And again, it's all about trying to create that understanding. Um, but in an agile environment, in an environment where they understand agile, and I'll tell you, still a lot of people don't. Right. Um, they may say I, it. Yeah, yeah. So agile to us is we don't document anything. <laughs> oh, no, that's <laughs> not what agile's about. <laughs> it's, it's not documentation, it's the lack of ceremony. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so we'll do an upfront, um, quote unquote requirements and we're likely to call it scoping. 
Um, and then we'll turn around and, and uh, do one iteration's worth of, of really good use cases, user stories, um, and then start rolling. Um, and so I don't really care, right? Again, it's, for me, it's not about the, the technique, the approach that we use. It's absolutely 100% about are we getting to the end goal of are we understanding the problem? Are we delivering business value? And at the end of the day, are we making the world better by the code we write? And um, so I love Agile. In fact, it's what I recommend to every team. Um, but the way, uh, the mindset that you've got to get into to be able to do it is something I frankly find that most of the corporate customers that I work with, they just can't do it. They mm. just, they, it's just so um, impossible for them to get from where they are now, which is, oh, I got a fixed budget, I've got fixed requirements, and I mean, I have to get this done on time. Um, they, they just don't know. And where they've tried, they've, you know, they've said, well, we're just not going to do documentation. Had, had a client recently said, oh, yeah, we're doing Agile, we're doing Agile, we're doing Agile. And I'm like, great, awesome. What sprint are you on? Huh? Huh? Sprint? What? Oh, oh, we don't oh okay, do, sorry. We don't do sprints. Right. I, I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. What iteration are you on? Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and I'm talking to the end customer and I'm like, so, well, how many times have you seen the software? Right. Cause that's another way to, to measure it. Right. You're supposed to. Right. How many drops have you had? Yeah, exactly. And they're like, we, we haven't seen any drops yet. Why would we, we see that? It's not done yet. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, well, okay. So I don't know what you are doing, but I can tell you you're not doing agile mm. <laughs> unless you're in your first week. And I know you're not, so. Well, yeah. we do have sprints, but they take a year. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's more we like call a them marathons. Kind of like a mosey, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, get the voice, get the voice for the mosey. We're going to do a mosey. That's going to take about a year. That'll be our first mosey. Uh, yeah, we're going to get one of them done. One, I don't know, we just, we'll get it done We're fixing point. to do a mosey. Yeah, we're fixing to do a mosey. We've been thinking about it. We We're thinking we get up here off the the back of the pickup truck, and it's going to work. We're just going to do this one of them moseys. (laughs) This is so bad. (laughs) If you get hate mail over this, send my apologies. (laughs) We'll pass it on, Robert. No problem. Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Mm. Hopefully not from my shows, but... um, so yeah, so you know, I love Agile, and I and I want to do that, and and I think that's actually. One of the things people say, well, you don't do requirements in Agile. I'm like, well, no, you still have to understand the problem. You just use different language to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, and you think there's levels to the problem, too. Understanding overall what's the goal of this app, I think, is a pretty good one. And, and they sort of base workflows. But as you dig down into features, you know, I ran into this trying to be CMM compliant where they wanted every feature documented in advance for two or three years worth of development. Yeah. It just wasn't realistic. Yeah, exactly. And you keep going back to edit the doc that was projective of what you were going to do, right? Yeah. At what point does it become a doc, uh, a log of what you did <laughs> rather yeah. than a yeah. correct projection that's continually updated? Well, so here's a here's a fun question for you guys. I know you know the answer, but so will Agile generate more or less rework? Huh. I would argue more, but less costly rework. Are you are you talking about you know reworking like we gotta take you know like major refactoring? Is that what you mean by reworking? 
No, I, I just mean rework, the amount of time that you're changing existing code. Oh, okay. I would say more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Agile is all about rework. Right. Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all about let's get something that, uh, get, that gets to this requirement and then we'll morph it as, uh, as we need to. And I think right. that's, that's what Agile is. It's constantly changing. Yeah. The difference is you're reworking code that's maybe a three or four or six weeks old, not eight months old. Right. Right. Or a year old or two years old. Like that, it's, it's not like it's in your head anymore, but at least it's familiar. Right. Right. Well, and, and so the interesting thing is, is Agile, by, by and large, it seems to that Agile will generate better end results than a typical single iteration waterfall methodology. Um, but it generates more rework and people, you know, their heads kind of spin with that and they go, what? I don't understand. But as you said, you, it's more common. You know it. You're planning for it. It's all built on the idea that we requirements are going to change. We're going to learn more next week. Um, and I think that you have to get that into your thinking. You have to kind of ingrain it into your thinking that things are going to change and I'm going to learn more tomorrow than I knew today and and we're just going to plan for it. Right. And, and we're, in the end, the goal was to make better software, not right. to to write it once and never have to talk to it again. And I remember right. the waterfall and, and that whole approach was really about creating sufficient documentation to win the court case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. said you wanted this. This is what we delivered. It doesn't matter that it's not what you need. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and back to those soft skills we were talking about, I, I one of the things that I try and help folks do as I'm training them on how to do requirements is I help them try and build trust. Um, because the strange thing is, is that trust in any relationship reduces the transaction cost. So the more that you trust the user that you're working with, the less work you do for those contractual documentation sorts of things. And the faster and the more efficient and the better that you understand their requirements. Um, that, that contractual piece, if you, if you, already know you're going to be in a contractual argument, you should stop now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're already planning for the lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. Right? If that's really how we're going to lead off this working relationship. You know, how we need this material. This will be important in the discovery phase of the development process. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. It's an interesting idea that I don't think a lot of people embrace yet of how do we routinely improve trust? Yeah. Trust is simple to improve, by the way. Um, make, meet, or renegotiate. Really, mm. really simple. And now, okay, so I've oversimplified it. But if you make a commitment and you meet the commitment, you will engender some additional level of trust. And even if you can't meet it, if you renegotiate it before the time, before the time, that's a key point, mm -hmm. um, you end up engendering more trust because people know that if you're not going to be able to make a commitment that you'll come renegotiate with them um and so it's really really simple to build but it builds slowly and it tears down quickly mm -hmm. um and that's that's the really that's the really hard part but if you're a developer and you're just trying to figure out what requirements are you know show up when you say you're going to to yeah. the user's desk to learn it sounds simple but it's that kind of little stuff adds up, right? Particularly over time. So, uh, so Robert, there are some other things that you that you have in your list that you you mentioned a um, an acronym. You you have like a list of of things that you uh, you know a laundry list of things that you need to cover when you're 
taking uh, when you're getting gathering requirements. What's the next one? Uh, gathering requirements is uh, I walk people through kind of this this model of uh, starting with a persona and work on those high level use cases we've talked about. I try to do wireframes um, to get what the UI is going to look for. Um, I'll then do a storyboard um, because that's the experience. It's the thing about a storyboard. Most people don't use them, um, but I think they're incredibly powerful. Is screens are great until you can figure out how to navigate between them. They're really not that useful. Um, and then we move into prototypes. And and so I'll when I'm doing requirements, um, my my requirements actually end with a prototype, even if it's on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way that I that's the way that I'll go do and go and do it. Um, but then I think there's this separate second phase that we do, uh, which is validating it. How do you know that what you have is right? Um, yeah. And some of that sense for it, right? Some of that is, well, I'm not getting new stuff. I'm not learning, you know, something new every five seconds. I'm only learning something new every three days. Um, and some of it's applying some thoughts to it and asking questions like, do I have it time boxed correctly? Do I know what this means? Am I going to um, have different interpretations of this word? Um, are there words in here, like we talked about earlier, that just aren't specific enough for you to get to an end result? Um, and so there's this, I, I think one of the things, even if you've got a BA, is you need to take a run, a separate run through whatever you've collected and look at it and say, you know, can I build this? Do I understand this? Um, and I, if you don't understand it, then you've got to you've got to back away from it and say, okay, well, we've got to we've got to go back and get more detail on this requirement or better understand this feature or whatever it is. Um, and so the validation is a, is a thing that I think we skip a lot um, in software development. You know, we we know the things to do, we just choose not to do them. Right? How many times have we shortcut requirements? Right. I mean, I do it all the time. I've I've got twenty some years of learning not to do that, and I still do it. And you know, I feel like there should be a some sort of a meeting for developers who can't do requirements or something. It's what would that be? Requirements, developers for requirements <laughs> anonymous or something? Twelve <laughs> step program. Well, and, and part of it is just persistence to really, really understand stuff. Like I can't tell you how many times we've run into that situation where the guy about halfway through coding a feature, suddenly the light goes on and he knows, and, he, and the light goes on because he know, now he realizes I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's not going to work. Um, and that's another thing about Agile, right? Is is we we get permission to fail. We do spikes so we can go right. learn, right? Hey, we have no idea what this is going to look like. Ah, we'll go spike on it and it'll be really ugly, but at least I'll know how it works. Right. Well, and often it's because the guy we're getting the requirements from may or may not fully understand the process either. I don't know how often you run into this where just figuring out who's the right person to talk to about something. It's not always the person who does that work. Right. Sometimes I map inputs and outputs. Um, and so that's another way to go at the problem. Um, and that, by the way, is one of the core things about requirements is just keep going at it different ways. Um, so sometimes I'll say, okay, so what do you get from other people? And what are you supposed to produce as output? And sometimes that will be very illustrative in, oh, well, you weren't telling me I had to generate that report. Where does that report go? Oh, well, that's that's why we do the whole process. Okay, but you didn't tell me that. Well, no, because <laughs> I got a macro that does it. 
oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's it's not the person you'd think knows the problem well. It's somebody entirely different. Um, an expense report. Like if you're doing an expense report, who knows how expense reports should work? Is it in payroll, accounting? Is it CFO? Is it the controller? Right. Is it the clerk? Yeah, I mm, I don't know. Without knowing your org, I have no idea. Right. So, I mean, part of I think this is where the talent uh, behind uh, requirements gathering comes in. It's just that sort of investigative nature to keep exploring and pressing against these ideas. And often, I think you know, you you find that there's no nobody has an overall picture of how the workflow works in a business. Right. I I say there are only two problems with business intelligence. Okay. The first the first problem with business intelligence is the data is bad, hmm. and I don't care who you are, the data is always bad. And this, the the second problem is is no business actually knows how it runs, right? Right. They they you, you just don't at, at 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 a detailed level, unless they open up the code and look at it, right? Right. And a lot of times when they open up the code, they're scared. Right. So like we didn't know we did that. <laughs> <laughs> he did. What? Well, at least you know enough to know to be scared. Right. That, yeah. That's the first step. Right. You no, know, admitting you have a problem. Mm. Right. You know, I went to a 12-step program for compulsive talkers. Really? Yeah, it's called On and On and On. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody gets to talk. The meetings last forever. Yeah. (laughs) And the guy who's still talking when everybody else has fallen asleep wins. Yeah. Sound kind of like the Senate. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so, so that's, you know, you take that process and you, and you get a list of requirements, you get them validated, you get everything kind of all put together and you, and you think, well, I, I know it reasonably well enough. Um, and then it comes to the fun part. This is where, this is where the open fights break out. <laughs> and, and, and like the Taiwanese, uh, Congress several years ago, right now, I guess, you know, there's open fist fights. This is what happens when you start to try and prioritize requirements. Have you guys ever had the the project where it's the project requirements are high, super high, really incredibly high and impossible to not ever do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as low priority. No. Right. right. Well, and that's a funny thing, isn't it? Like yeah. <laughs> everything's high. But it well, and and the really hilarious part about it is is if you really ask the core question, which is, so if this isn't done, would we not release the product? Mm. Right? And, and in most cases, the answer to that is no. Well, we'd still release it. We'd, we'd hate it. We wouldn't like it, but we'd yeah. still do it. Right. right. You know? And that's why I think that we don't get requirements as much as we get really strong wish lists. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like that, it's just a wish list. We really just kind of want it. Right. So then you get into the requirements prioritization phase, and people are like, no, I want my requirement. Yes. And I can say, my requirement made it. Yeah, I want my wish, darn it. Mm-hmm. I got my button. Oh, you don't know how much I have wished for my button over the years. <laughs> because, you, you know, you, you laugh, but, you know, I've had these conversations with customers where, especially when they get to be in the room with you as a developer, the customer directly, you know, what, you oh. know, that's like they, I had the comment said to me once, I feel like I'm at Santa's workshop and he's making my favorite <laughs> toy for, yeah. for me from scratch. It's magic. Yeah. 
Here's where the magic happens. The middle-aged guy stares at a screen and types and curses under his breath. But yeah, you know, and, you know, wants a feature and then comes back in half an hour after going to get a latte or whatever. And it's there. And he's like, oh, Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Miracles do happen. It's true, though, you know, that's. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So I don't like the high, medium, low thing. Because as you guys said, nobody ever does low, right? Because everybody knows that low is never really going to happen. Yeah. The project budget, you'll overrun. Nobody, you know, that's one of the other cool things about Agile is, right? Like, we, we will continue until we stop adding value, right? We're right. just going to keep working our way down the list, and we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so, but there are a couple of t- techniques you can do. Um, one that's really simple that people can learn, like, in the next 30 seconds and use is give everybody an imaginary $100 and let them invest it anywhere they want. Right. And... When they're all done, sum it all up, de- sort descending, and that's what people said they wanted. Hmm. Um, now you've got to you've got to deal with some dependencies in there, but but at least gets you a rough cut that should have the stuff that's really important sort to the top. And if it doesn't, people aren't very good at spending their money, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, or you know, the, often there's a disconnect in priorities too. It's the difference between. The guy on the ground who's have to use this app, that that's going to make a huge difference to his productivity. And the VP who's promised this to the board and the, the customer who ultimately benefits from it. Like there's all these different roles in this and they're all going to perceive different value. Guys, yeah. I feel like we could go on for another hour because we're just starting. To, it's almost like we're just starting to get into it. And I'm sorry for that. Maybe you have to come back for part two, Robert. But, uh, but we're, we're out of time. So uh, is there any last minute thing that you want to just throw out there, Robert, before we sign off? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, if they if folks like this, um, there is a course up on Pluralsight now, which is good requirements for developers targeted towards the developer audience. People, mm-hmm. people like me who know where the semicolons go. And um, I just always enjoy our conversations. Awesome. Well, I mean, Carl, first conversation for you. Well, yeah, Rich I'm, sure. I'm sure. I always enjoy conversations with Richard, too. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Robert Bogue is the guest, and we will talk to you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.